Hello, everybody. Welcome to our Family Together online service. Thank you for joining us at whatever time you're watching from and wherever you are watching from. I pray that you are safe and that your family is well. My name is John, and I'm one of the pastors here at SIBKL, and it is my privilege to be here with you today. We've been um, going through a long while now on this MCO period. At this point of recording, we are st- I am still, or we are still in the MCO period. Today is the 9th of May, I believe. It's supposed to be lifted a couple of days from now on the 12th. So um, I don't know what's going to happen, but we do know that we have to take certain precautions and church is definitely going to look different for us. Uh, I certainly miss gathering in church. I miss being amongst people. Uh, missing all of you and I also miss getting my hair cut as you can see uh, it is getting a little bit out of control but I am thankful that we have the opportunity to worship together as well as hear the word of God before I get into my message today I just want to also thank all the frontliners who are braving conditions out there to uh, keep the country running and to keep us fed when I mean frontliners I don't just mean Uh, medical staff or health professionals, even though those are incredibly important. I'm praying blessing and protection upon you and your household. I also consider all those working in supermarkets, in supply chains, in uh, deliveries, in restaurants, those of you keeping your food outlets open. Thank you so much for doing us a service. And I also pray that you are safe and that God's blessing and protection will be Upon you. Also, want to mention to all the husbands out there be gracious to your wives, um, be generous to them, help them out at home because it is surely uh, very challenging for them. I do my best to help my wife when and when I can. Uh, wives, I also want to ask you to be forgiving to your husbands, to be patient with them. They could be going through a tough time at work or they could be worried about uh, what's ahead and all that. So, Be gracious to them. Pray for them. Children, can I also say, if you're watching this, um, you know, be nice to your siblings. Be helpful to your parents. Remember, we are all in this together. So let's stick together. And I pray that the blessing and the peace of God will be upon all your households. For a long time now, uh, ever since the MCO started, we have been on a different a series of messages, all to encourage and to build you to face uh, even this time. But before the MCO actually kicked in, we here at the church had planned to go on our Ezra uh, series, or series in the um, a few books on Ezra and Nehemiah and all that. Now, I have the privilege today to actually kick off the first part of our Ezra and Nehemiah series. So for the month of May, as well as June, you're in for a treat. We're going to be exploring the book of Ezra and the book of Nehemiah. And on every weekend, there are going to be two different speakers talking about different chapters from these two books. And I know that in this time, even as we go back to our tradition, if you want to call it, of studying books of the Bible, I know the Lord has a word in season for us as a church and as a people of God. Now, we're looking at the book of Ezra and Nehemiah. 
We, if, you, if you look at it in your Bibles, uh, it's split into two books, Ezra and Nehemiah. But traditionally, it can actually be considered as one singular literary piece. In fact, it is up to the 1100s where um, Ezra and Nehemiah was written on one single scroll. And only at the point of the uh, medieval manuscripts tradition or the breaking of those manuscripts, when they... Uh, when that tradition came in, were those two books made separate. So the themes across this book is very similar, and I'll show you in a moment how they are related. Now, these books actually cover a period in the Old Testament known as the post-exilic period. Post-exilic period. And I've got a little timeline here at the side. You can uh, have a look at that. You will see that the post-exilic period involves not just the book of Ezra, and Nehemiah, but also the book of Haggai, which is the first book that we explored beginning of the year in January and February. There were a great number of messages preached from those uh, from that book. I encourage you to go look it up on our website or on our YouTube channel. You can see the archives of those old messages. But in that post-exilic period, the books of Zechariah, uh, Malachi, and even Esther is in there as well. So what is the post-exilic period? In short, it is actually the time after Israel was taken into captivity in Babylon and they were kept there for about 70 years. So what had happened was Babylon had overthrown the kingdom of Israel. They had destroyed Solomon's temple and they took the people of Israel out of Jerusalem, held them captive in Babylon But now, as we go into the book of Ezra, you will see that the people of Israel are allowed to leave um, exile. They're allowed to leave Babylon and they go back to uh, Israel. And in the book of Ezra, there are 10 chapters. So I just want to very quickly break down the 10 chapters for you. In chapter 1, it is actually the decree of Cyrus. Cyrus, the king of Persia, allows the people of Israel to go back home. And chapter 2 is actually the name of all the returning, uh, the names of all the returning exiles. So it's a whole chapter just dedicated to names and lists. Chapter 3 is where the temple construction begins. So Israel was not just sent back to Jerusalem. They were also allowed to rebuild now the temple that which was destroyed. In chapter 4, the Israelites, they face opposition. So the construction stops for a while. And in chapter 5, the construction resumes. Chapter 6 is when the temple is finally completed. Now, there is actually a huge gap in terms of chronology um, in between chapter 6 and 7. It is, in fact, about a 60-year gap. Now, that gap is actually filled with the filled by sorry the book of Esther. So if you read... The book of Esther, you will see those events actually take part or took place in between Ezra chapter 6 and Ezra chapter 7. And now in Ezra chapter 7 is where our titular character, um, the man whose the book was named after Ezra, actually only or finally appears. And this is where he's appointed and he's sent um, to teach the people of Israel. In chapter 8, it documents his Return Ezra and his and his people's return, and in chapter nine, Ezra confronts the sin of the people. That is the intermarriages 
which is happening amongst the people of Israel who has settled um, now back in Jerusalem. And in chapter 10, there is a leading of Ezra for the people to confess their sin and then repent. So these are the 10 chapters here in Ezra, which we will be exploring together. And I mentioned that the book of Ezra and Nehemiah was one book or one series of books together. Um, You can see in Ezra and Nehemiah, the themes are somewhat similar. In Ezra chapter 1 to 6, the leader of that time or the leader in that story is actually Zerubbabel. And in 7 and 10, that's where Ezra appears. And Nehemiah is, of course, Nehemiah himself. He's the main character in that book. Now, in these three chunks of sections, there is a theme of rebuilding. In Ezra 1 to 6, there is a rebuilding of the temple. In 7 to 10, there's the rebuilding of the community of Israel as the people of God. And in Nehemiah, it is focused on the building of the walls of the city. But one thing that stretches across, that's kind of like the unifying factor or the end goal of these two books or one book, whichever uh, you would consider it, is this spiritual renewal. Spiritual renewal is a huge and massive and focal theme in both Ezra and Nehemiah. And with that being said, that is actually what I'm going to speak to you about today. And that is spiritual renewal based on Ezra chapter 1 and chapter 2. Now, when we talk about renewal, there are two ways we can approach it or two ways it can be applied. When I think of renewal, the first thing that I think of is perhaps improvements or an update. When uh, I'm a huge uh, motorhead, I love cars, I love motorcycles, a uh, huge petrol head rather. And you know, I, I tend to follow all the different models of cars or motorbikes that are released from time to time. And what will happen is uh, once in a while, companies will release what they call either an update or a facelift model. So what it is, it is a new model that has perhaps additional features or uh, further improvements that is built on the old model and it is now released. So it's kind of like a renewal of the design of that model. Um, and another way to think of it is, um, you know, I see it this way, the New Testament, this is what not many people actually realize. The New Testament is not the cancellation of the Old Testament. It is actually the renewal of it. It is built on the previous, the Old Testament, and now further brought on by the New Testament. We, in order for us to fully understand and appreciate the New Testament, we have to read the Old Testament as well. And another way I see renewal is a revitalization. When I think of that word revitalization, I think of a company that this day, most of us will be familiar with, and that is Marvel, Marvel Studios. Uh, if you don't know what Marvel, who Marvel Studios are, they are the artists behind characters like Captain America, Iron Man, Thor, Thanos, and all these different characters that make up this cinematic universe called the MCU. Now, this MCU and all these characters I mentioned are 
it's pretty a pretty big deal right now because of all the success of the movies that have been released. But do you know that sometime in the 90s, what was happening was actually Marvel was in trouble. They were losing popularity. Uh, they were losing a lot of money. They were, in fact, also losing out in publicity. And DC Comics was kind of like taking um, over them, right? DC Comics came up with characters like Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman. So those characters were more famous and more popular at that point of time compared to uh, Iron Man, Captain Man and all that. But through the movies that they released, what Marvel went through was a revitalization. And today it's arguable that they are more popular now than their rivals, DC Comics. And when I think about a revitalization, or renewal in terms of revitalization, I see it in the people of Israel as well. They were caught in Babylon. They were stuck there. They were oppressed. They had lost their identity as the people of God. And with this spiritual renewing, as they came out of exile, they were now able to rediscover who they were in God. It's almost like their spirits could now become revitalized. And I feel like this is such an apt theme for us to explore because um, from the 18th of March, that's the first day of the MCO was implemented to the 12th of May, which would, have, which would be the 55th day. Can you believe that? I, uh, you know, hopefully that it will actually be lifted uh, come May 12th. But think about that, 55 days we were under this thing called the movement control order. We were locked in our house. We were kept at home. You could almost even say held captive at home and not allowed to move about. But I feel that even as the order is lifted, whatever new norm that is waiting for us that we are going to face out there, I believe God can bring about a renewal in this time. Or, and I believe and I trust God is actually wanting to bring about this renewal. Now, when I talk about spiritual renewal, these words are interchangeable uh, as well. Spiritual awakening, a revival, all these kind of carry the same meaning. Now, we, if you've been in church for a while, you would hear of these words and you have different understandings of these words. But as I was praying and preparing for this message, you know, the Lord spoke to me, the Holy Spirit impressed on my heart. And these thoughts came to my mind. What if revival was not about packing venues, but filling our hearts? What if an awakening is not about more gathering, but actually more going out? What if renewal is not about looking for an answer or explanation for this pandemic, but losing our will for His. Your kingdom come, your will be done. What if the spiritual renewal, revival or awakening that God wants to bring is actually these things? What if our small acts of prayer, of Bible reading, of gathering together on Zoom are small sparks waiting to set off a bigger fire that will bring him glory. What if? And I want to use Ezra chapter 1 and 2 to encourage you, to even challenge you 
of what this spiritual renewal would be like. Now, for the sake of time, I'm not going to read the whole of Ezra chapter 1 and 2, but I will briefly tell you the main points or the main events in these two chapters. In Ezra chapter 1, it starts off with King Cyrus, a pagan king, decreeing that the people of Israel be allowed to go back home to Jerusalem. And not only he decrees it, he also provides for them. Because this journey for them to go from Babylon back to Israel, it was something like a thousand miles, which is like 1,600 kilometers. It was not going to be an easy journey. But sometimes things that seem impossible in the natural, God will work about supernaturally to make it possible. Here, God shows his power by moving a pagan king to allow his people to go back home. And King Cyrus himself actually takes all the spoils, all the items that Nebuchadnezzar took out of Solomon's temple when he destroyed it and put it in his own temple. King Cyrus takes these items and says, bring it back and use it for the rebuilding of the Lord's temple. That's chapter one. And chapter two is a whole document, list of all the people that made this journey back to Israel. Every single one of them, man, woman, child, young and old, priests, musicians, gatekeepers, Levites, temple servants, all of them head back home. That's Ezra chapter 1 and 2. So I've got three points on spiritual renewal from based on Ezra chapter 1 and 2. My first point is this spiritual renewal is revelation from God. Where did I get this? I got it from Ezra chapter 1 verse 1. And it says, In the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, in order to fulfill the word of the Lord spoken by Jeremiah, the Lord moved the heart of Cyrus, king of Persia, to make a proclamation throughout his realm and also to put it in writing. Look at this phrase here, the Lord moved the heart of Cyrus. Verse 5 from chapter 1, then the family heads of Judah and Benjamin and the priests and Levites, everyone whose heart God had moved, prepared to go up and build the house of the Lord in Jerusalem. There we see again, whose heart God had moved. So this is what it means Revelation is the moving of our hearts because our hands will see no motion if our hearts are not moved. Revelation is not just information. It's not just ear-tickling information. It's not just Bible study or knowledge. No, it is actually knowledge that transforms us from the inside out. Do you know it's possible to hear the word but miss the point? It is possible to read the book but not catch the message. And, and 1 Corinthians 8 verse 1 or 2, um, I love this scripture because you know, sometimes scripture is really great at rebuking people because it says this, While knowledge makes us feel important, it is love that strengthens the church. Other versions says. Uh, knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. Verse 2, anyone who claims to know all the answers 
don't, doesn't really know very much. Here the Bible tells me that it's not enough to just have knowledge. Now it's important to have knowledge. It's important to study the Word of God, but it cannot just stop at knowledge or information. It has to be revelation. A story from the Bible that comes to mind that really has left an impression on me is Luke chapter 24. Um, the journey of the two disciples to the road uh, to, Emmaus, right, to Emmaus. And the story goes this way. The two disciples, after the death of Jesus, they were on their way to um, Emmaus. And on the way there, they met a resurrected Jesus. And as they meet him, they don't recognize him. And you know, Jesus asked them, what are you all sad about? He, they say, you must be the only man in the whole of Jerusalem to not know what had happened. And then Jesus said, you know, don't be discouraged. Let me now tell you all the scripture that has said. Uh, all that scripture has said about what this Jesus had to go through. And the amazing thing is these two, one of them, an unnamed disciple, the other one, Cleopas, they walk with Jesus and Jesus explains the scripture to them, but they still do not recognize that it's Jesus speaking to them. And they finally come, uh, the end of the day, they invite Jesus into their homes and have a meal with him. And then only at that point, they realize, my goodness, all this while we were talking to Jesus. And at that point, Jesus left them. And did, you know what they said in verse 32? Didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scripture to us? You see, it is very, very possible to know a lot of scripture, to be able to even quote a lot of Bible but still not know the God behind the Bible. Here, the disciples captured it perfectly. Didn't our hearts burn within us as we read the scripture? I pray that this time will be a time of revelation for us, that when we read the word of God, it will not just now tickle our ears or just tickle our minds, but it will burn in our hearts, leading to a transformation from the inside out. I pray that as God brings about this spiritual renewal, more and more revelation will come true. And I know it will. More and more people will fall in love with the Word of God. More and more people will hunger for the presence of God. More and more people will desire for an encounter with Him. And it's not just about word only and spirit only. Because with all word, you dry up. All spirit, you blow up. But when you put the word and spirit together, you grow up. I believe that God is wanting to renew the church to have a hunger for His presence and love for the word of God. Let us continue to ask God, to seek God, to desire to have revelation that our hearts will be moved to build His kingdom and to see His name lifted up. The second thing about spiritual renewal is this, restoration of His house. And when I talk about a restoration of His house, I see this in Verse 7 of chapter 1, which says, Moreover, 
King Cyrus brought out the articles belonging to the temple of the Lord where Nebuchadnezzar had carried away from Jerusalem and had placed them in the temple of his God. So Cyrus was returning that which was taken away from the temple of the Lord and put in the temple of Nebuchadnezzar's God and he was returning it to the temple of Israel. So when I talk about this, I see this restoration of God's house in two ways, both physical and spiritual. In fact, Haggai, uh, the book that we explored earlier in the year, talks about this as well. Let me quote to you verse 2 and 4 from Haggai chapter 1. This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say, the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. And verse 4, it is time for your... Is it... Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in paneled houses while the house remains a ruin? Look at that. Time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. And is it okay for you to live in your paneled houses while the house of the Lord remains a ruin? Verse 9 also highlights this. You expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why? Declares the Lord Almighty, because of my house, which remains a ruin, while each of you is busy with your own house. You know, even as the MCO lives and whatever new norm comes our way, the tendency, and in fact, it's normal, right? The tendency for us will be one to now and go, take care of our own affairs, start up our life again, rebuild our businesses, try to find new things to pick up. It is normal and, and okay to feel that way, but let's not remember, let's not forget that while times have changed, the principle remains the same. If you build God's house, He will take care of yours. If you take care of God's house, he will in turn build yours. While we go about our business, let's not neglect the house of God. And it's time also, I believe, for the, for the energy, for talents, for expertise, for even wealth to come back into the house of God. Not just to go into the world, but to come back. Just like how the items were reclaimed from Babylon to be put back in the temple of the Lord. All that God has gifted us with, let us come with our first fruits and honor the Lord. Let us not forget the church, whatever it looks like post-MCO. Let's not forget the house of God because it is still the bride of Christ. It is still God's instrument for revival, for outreach, for mission to the world. And I also see the restoration of God's house, not just as the physical house, but also the spiritual house. What do I mean the spiritual house? I mean you and I. Because 1 Corinthians 6.19 itself tells us that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The rebuilding of the temple is not just the physical house, but the spiritual house that you and I are. And Joel 2, I love this scripture. The Lord spoke to me from this scripture. Joel 2, verse 25 to 27 says this, I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten, 
Verse 26, you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God who has dealt wondrously with you and my people shall never be put to shame. Then you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel, that I am the Lord your God and there is no other and my people shall never be put to shame. As I was preparing and mulling over this message, and then when I came to this point, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and He told me, at this point of the message, I want you to pray and prophesy over people. Wherever you are right now, in your homes, or watching from your computer screens or television, whether you are in your living room or on your bed, or you're on the go, I want to speak restoration to you right now. In Jesus' name, if you would just receive it. Don't disregard this right now because this is just a recording. No, no, no. The Lord can move and He will move right now. I want to speak a restoration of dreams and vision to people right now in Jesus' name. I feel like there are people who are listening in and watching in this message. You have somewhat lost your vision, lost your direction in life. You once had a dream, but now because of circumstances, because of tragedy, you have felt like you lost that. But the Lord right now wants to remind you of the dream, of the calling that He has placed in your heart. Will you receive that? Will you feel it burn within you? I feel it. Some, somebody, some of you, it's burning within you right now. The dream that vision. God is saying, don't quit prematurely. Don't give up just yet. I'm not done yet. I did not cancel it. I may have put it on hold, but I did not cancel it. Some of you, the Lord is going to restore to you material things that you have lost. These things that you have lost because of the economy, because of businesses, because of betrayal. I want to encourage you right now, the Lord is saying, I am your provider. I will show my faithful and powerful hand if only you will trust. Don't be despair. Don't be dismayed. The Lord will come true for you. Some of you is relationships. The Lord is going to restore to you what the enemy has taken away from you. Relationship between husband and wife. Relationship between parents and children, relationships between siblings, relationship between close friends. I want to speak restoration. Let there be a move of renewal right now in Jesus' name. Whatever it is that you believe, you are wanting to believe, the Lord is moving right here in this moment. Whatever it is that you want restored, would you claim it and believe it right now in Jesus' name. Lord, may your spirit move. May your spirit move and may whatever that the locusts have eaten over these people's lives be restored in Jesus' name. Amen. Joy restored, health restored, peace restored in Jesus' name. My last point is that spiritual renewal also means the return of His people, of God's people. Ezra chapter 2, verse 1 and verse 70 the first verse and the last verse. These are the people of the province who came up from the captivity of the exiles, whom Nebuchadnezzar 
had taken captive to Babylon. Verse 70, the priests, the Levites, the musicians, the gatekeepers, and the temple servants all returned back to Israel. You know that throughout the Bible, the theme and the narrative is the same. God wants to rescue and redeem and restore his people. I think of Moses, you know, the mission of Moses where he was sent by God to go to Pharaoh and his one mission was to tell Pharaoh this, let my people go so that they can go and worship God. Let my people go. Israel, they were in captivity in Egypt and God rose Moses to go and deliver them. I think of this story as well, right? Zerubbabel, Ezra, Nehemiah, different prophets also now being sent by God to bring the people of, of Israel who were in exile and in captivity in Babylon to come out. I think of Jesus, our high priest, sent by God himself to you and I because we have been exiled, separated by sin, that we have been kept in captivity in our own Egypt, in our sin. And Jesus became the bridge for us to cross. Jesus became the key for us to unlock salvation. Jesus is the way. And Jesus had the mission to for the return of his people. And that's what I believe spiritual renewal is about as well. Even as we go about whatever the year brings, it is such an opportune time to preach the gospel. Yeah, we should feed the poor. Yeah, we should give to the needy. But let us not forget to proclaim the good news whenever we have the chance. Because we don't just do good deeds for the sake of doing good deeds. We do good deeds so that we can pave the way to show people the love of our Father. Because that's what He desires. He desires for all people to be drawn to Him. Philippians 2 verse 9 to 11 says this, Therefore God exalted Him to the highest place and gave Him the name above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow in heaven and on the earth, and every tongue acknowledge or confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That is what our chief end goal should be as Christians for the glory of our Father and how God will be glorified is when people come to know Him, confess Him and bow knees to Him, acknowledge that He is Lord. I want to remind you that we are saved to be sent. We are not saved to be taken away we are saved to be sent. I want you to remember that there is a world out there that needs what we have, not material needs, but the answer, Jesus. And even as God moves with spiritual renewing, I believe more and more of His people will return to Him. And as I preach this message, man, I feel like I'm preaching to myself. 
I feel like, man, God, I want to get out there right now. I want to do it right now. And I'm reminded of Isaiah 6 verse 8. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And Isaiah echoes the words that are burning in my heart right now. Here I am, send me. Would that be our prayer, Christians, brother, sister in Christ? Lord, here I am, send me. Here I am, send me. You know, as we conclude this message, spiritual renewal is revelation from God, is restoration of His house, and is the return of His people. I want to encourage you with Luke chapter 5, verses 37 to 39. And it essentially says this, No one pours new wine into old wineskins, because if they did that, the old skin will burst and the new wine will be wasted. New wine must be poured into new wineskins. What is a wine, what a wineskin represents here is our mindsets, is our spirit, is our attitude, our perspective towards the things of God. As we exit MCO phase, God willing, as we embrace the new norm that we would see in our church, in our schools, in our businesses, in our communities, in our families, let's not carry the old wineskin for the new wine that God wants to pour out onto us. Because verse 39 says this, and it only occurs in the Luke version. No one after drinking old wine wants the new, for they say the old is better. My friends, if we are to experience and see this spiritual renewal, this spiritual awakening, this revival that God wants to send post this MCO period, we cannot desire for the old wine. We have to embrace the new wine that God wants to pour out, the new spirit, the new move that God wants to pour out on us. And we need to prepare ourselves to have new wineskins, new mindsets to receive what God wants to do. Let's put away the old. The old was great, the old was good, the old had a place. Nothing wrong with tradition and nothing wrong that what used to be. But remember, a renewal is an update. It was built on the old, but it's an update. It is progress of what God wants to do. Yes, Lord. Jesus, you bring about new wine, new wine onto us, new wine. You know, church family, as we close, I have another scripture that the Lord has placed on my heart that I want to read to you. And it is Isaiah 43, verses 18 to 19. It says this, Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I, the Lord, am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. That's the key to our promise right there. Forget the past. Look to the future and see what God wants to do. 
wherever you are, I pray that His Spirit will renew you, will recharge you, He will give you new revelation, He will restore to you, even inspire you to see about the return of His people from your families, from your influence, spheres of influence into His kingdom. God, I pray for every single person who is listening to this message. Lord, may your spirit fall upon them. May your spirit fall upon their household. Lord, I pray even for those who don't know you personally, I pray you will draw them and bring them into a loving relationship with you right now. Family members, if this message has spurred you now to reach out to some to anybody around you to lead them to Christ. What do you do that? That's the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Friend, if you are watching and you are not a Christian, can you send us a message and say, I want to be a Christian because I believe you did not come upon this message by accident, but it is the Lord that drew you in. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Separate us now with your blessing, your protection, and may your presence be always upon us and may your word be ingrained in us so that we will know your will and know what to do. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for tuning in. I hope this message spoke to you. Have a good day and we will see you again soon. Amen. Some of you may have never received Jesus Christ as your personal saviour. The Bible tells us that if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved and you will have eternal life. Today, if you want to receive Jesus, why don't you follow me in this prayer? Father God, I confess I am a sinner and I need your forgiveness I believe you sent Jesus Christ your son to die on the cross for my sins he was buried and rose on the third day I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior thank you for loving me and accepting me as your child thank you for the gift of eternal life in Jesus name I pray Amen